That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood in the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprung up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Others, other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will, ever, you will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their ears, Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I will heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but do not, did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is, this, this is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. I love hearing stories of people who have become Christians. Isn't it just fantastic when you hear stories of, uh, of people who hear the gospel, they hear the good news of Jesus, his forgiveness, his life, and they respond by believing and trusting, and they become Christians. I think of Alice in our morning congregation at Macquarie Park who chose to follow Jesus after doing Alpha last year. I think of Shirin, an Iranian who came to Christ 
uh, later last year as well. I think of Mika, who I ran into uh, right after she'd given her life to Christ at Everyday English a few weeks ago. I think of Renzo, who became a believer just a few weeks back. It's just fantastic hearing these stories, isn't it? That God is saving people. It's so good. Praise God for his, his mercy and his grace. But of course, it's not always like that, isn't it? The Word of God often goes out. People hear about Jesus. But most of the time, they don't respond with faith. Most people hear about Jesus and they don't believe. They want nothing to do with him. It doesn't seem to make any difference to their lives. Perhaps you've experienced this. You've invited someone along to Alpha and nothing seems to change. You've been sharing the gospel with someone and praying for them for years and nothing seems to be shifting. Or some people respond to Jesus and live as a Christian for a little while and then they give it all up. My wife remembers when she was a youth group kid and uh, she was in a youth group small group and her leader said that statistically half of them wouldn't be Christians in five years' time. And all of them laughed and said, there's no way, of course we will all be. But the leader was right. Five years later, half of them no longer walking with the Lord. So many mixed responses to Jesus. I don't know about you, but it can get pretty discouraging. You know, we're called to be on mission. We're called to be sharing this incredible good news. And sometimes the response is just so sad. But it's actually, it shouldn't surprise us. This is not just a 2023 thing. Even Jesus himself, the greatest preacher who ever lived, even he, when he was preaching and proclaiming, most people didn't believe. Most people did not respond as we would hope. In chapters 1 to 12, which we looked at last year, the Pharisees have been planning to kill him. Jesus' family are opposing him. His hometown has rejected him. And so what Jesus does in our chapter today is he tells a parable to explain how there is so much mixed reactions to Jesus. There's so many mixed responses. In his parable, there is a farmer, a seed, and soils. The farmer represents Jesus Christ. The seed represents the gospel, the, the good news about Jesus and his, his life, his death, his resurrection. I think it's described as a seed because it has the potential to, to bring life, the power to bring people from death to life. You plant um, a rock in the ground, nothing's going to happen. It doesn't have any potential for life. You plant a seed in the ground and it can it burst forth with life. That is this gospel message we have, the power of God to save us. It's a seed. But the main point of his parable is actually about the soils. It really should be called the parable of the four soils because the soils are the human heart. The soils are you and I as we listen and as we hear about Jesus. Because in his parable, the seed's always the same. It's the soil that changes. Here's our question for tonight. Which soil are you? Which soil 
a year. Soil number one, the unbelieving heart. The unbelieving heart. Look down at Matthew 13 and verse 3. Verse 3, then Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. This seed is totally wasted. Falls on the path, the birds come straight away. Kind of like when you're having fish and chips by the beach and you accidentally drop a chip and the seagull is waiting for your chance to slip up and they're just in there straight away before you have a chance. That's this. The, the seed falls, gone. Jesus explains who this represents. Look at verse 18. Verse 18, he says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Anyone who hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. This is the person who hears about Jesus and immediately they, they don't respond. They do not believe. It makes no difference. But Jesus says there's something spiritual going on here. Satan has snatched that word, the gospel, away. I hope you know that there is a spiritual war going on for your soul. Anytime Jesus is being proclaimed, whether it's here at church, whether it's in your connect group when you open the word, whether it's on the bus and you're reading the Bible for yourself, there is a spiritual battle going on because Satan, he does not want anyone to listen. He does not want anyone to believe. Now, it's not like, it's not like this unbelieving heart isn't to blame and it's all Satan's fault. The seed hadn't gone deep enough, which made it easy for the birds to come and snatch it, you see? It's both, it's both Satan that is at work here and, and the blame of the person who has this, this hard heart. This is the unbelieving heart. And Jesus actually says that this is why he tells parables. He talks about parables, and about a third of what Jesus says are parables. Here's one of them, parable of the sower. And he says that when he's telling parables, he's actually sifting out who has an unbelieving heart and who has a believing heart. You can see it there in verse 13. He says, verse 13, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever seeing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. What's he saying? We often think about parables like an illustration to make something clearer. Actually, they're not. Parables are more like a riddle. When you hear a riddle, there is the surface level meaning, which kind of everyone gets. But then there's the deeper meaning. Not everyone gets that, do they? To understand the deeper level meaning of the riddle, you've got to want to explore it. You've got to become inquisitive. You've got to think about it. You've got to look for insight. So it is with Jesus' parables. When he tells these parables, for some people, it, it reveals the spiritual truth. They, they come with a believing heart. They listen. They, they ask Jesus, what does this mean? And they come with faith for other people. It conceals. They get the, the surface level, but that's all it remains at, a riddle. They don't understand the deeper spiritual meaning because they either aren't interested or 
are unable. And so the parable confirms them in their unbelief. This is what God does as an act of judgment. Now, it's not like they're not to blame because it's all God that has, has stopped them from believing. Now, you can see there verse 15. He says, For this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. These are people with unbelieving hearts, and so the parables they do not understand, and it just deepens and confirms their unbelief. I wonder if this is you. Do you have the unbelieving heart? Maybe for you, you've been sitting here for a while at church and you hear the gospel, you've heard about Jesus, you know a lot, but it, it's just intellectual. It's just theoretical. It's never gone deep. It's never gripped you. It's never excited you. It's never challenged you or changed the way you view the world. If that's the case, maybe, maybe this is you. That's you, and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. God loves you so much. He, he gave up his son for you on the cross to forgive you and save you. He is a God of such love and mercy, and he longs for you to, to trust him. And so I plead with you to, to trust him, to, to pray and ask God to soften your heart and help you believe, to come to Alpha, to explore who he is, to, to be like the disciples that want to understand so that you might experience the love of God yourself. That's the first soil, the unbelieving heart. Soil number two. Soil number two is the shallow heart. The shallow heart. Look at verse 5. Jesus says, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Who does this refer to? Look at what Jesus says in verse 20. Verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. George Whitfield was a passionate preacher. He preached to crowds of thousands of people. And people used to ask him, how many people were converted in your sermon today? And he'd often respond, we'll see in a few years. He wasn't saying that they have to go earn their salvation. He was saying, time will tell. Time will tell. See, a lot of people, this is describing someone who hears the gospel and they respond with joy. They're telling people, I've become a Christian, and they're, and they're living the Christian life, and it's exciting, and it's amazing. And then they get to work, and their friend calls them a bigot for going to a Christian church. Or their parents disapprove. Why have you become a Christian? Or they lose their job, or they have pressure to conform, or if they're in another country, they face imprisonment or even execution for being a Christian. And they experience that. And then they give it up. They throw in the towel. Think of the sparklers that you light on New Year's Eve. And you light the sparkler and 
pretty much immediately it's a party. Sparks flying everywhere, you're excited, you're waving it around, you're getting your friend to do the long exposure shot as you awkwardly try and write a message, never works. But after a minute, it's finished, it's out as quick as it began. Contrast that to in our living room, we have a glass house candle. And this thing is beautiful. You light it, it stays alight for hours and fills our living room with this beautiful smell and glow. And many, many Christians, they start life like that sparkler. It is exciting, they're passionate, but very quickly it all finishes. Why? Because their roots aren't deep. That's what Jesus says. They have no root. Perhaps the root of their faith was in emotion. You know, they, they were at a Christian rally or something like that. They heard the gospel. They were so moved emotionally, got caught up in it, and that's what their roots were in. Or, you know what I think is most common and becoming more common, is their roots were in individualism, dressed up as Christianity. So for them, it's saying, well, my faith... I'm following Jesus as long as he adds to my life, as long as he helps me, as long as he doesn't get in the way of me expressing myself or being who I want to be, as soon as Jesus gets a bit controversial, as soon as Jesus affects my friendships or gets in the way of me kind of being who I want to be, then I'm giving up. It's consumerism dressed up as Christianity. And when you've got your roots in these kinds of things, when the storms come of persecution, and Jesus says it's going to come, you don't survive, and you give it up. Friends, this is a warning here Jesus has given us. Maybe you need to hear this warning. Let's be people who have deep roots, not shallow roots. Deep roots in the Word of God. Deep roots in Jesus Christ. My prayer is that every one of us will be following Jesus, not just in six months, but in 60 years, running the race. I think the way to get the roots deep is repenting. It's actually saying, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. I'm bowing my knee to you. I'm repenting. I'm turning from living for myself. I'm turning to you. I'm receiving your forgiveness and serving you as my Lord. That is the roots we need. Soil number three. Soil number three is the divided heart. The divided heart. Jesus says some of the seed falls on the thorns. What does that refer to? Verse 22, look at there. Jesus says, The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is someone who hears about Jesus and responds with belief, but the thorns come up and choke it. It's the worries of this life. I went to a rainforest earlier this year. We were on holidays. My family were up in Queensland. Went to a rainforest and saw these beautiful, these incredible strangler figs. Seen these things? They wrap themselves around a big tree. It could be a really big tree. Wrap themselves around it and steal the nutrients from the tree. And they go up and up and up and stop the light, the sunlight from hitting the tree. And they choke the tree slowly to death. 
And Jesus says many Christians are choked out just like that. It's a slow death. A slow death choked out by the worries of this world. Now, there's a lot of worries, isn't there? Rising interest rates. Stress at work. Relationship dramas. So many worries. But one Jesus points out, he explicitly names the deceitfulness of wealth. The deceitfulness of wealth. It can choke out your faith. Do you believe that wealth is dangerous? I mean, we are living in some of the richest suburbs of Sydney, in one of the richest cities of Australia, in one of the richest countries of the world. We are so, so rich. And I know cost of living is higher here. I've heard of the Mossman tax. I know it's a thing. But still, we, we are so wealthy. And it is so easy to trust in our riches, to trust in our wealth for our security, to, to trust in our wealth for our comfort, to chase after money because we never got enough, to make financial decisions, which means generosity takes the back seat. And it chokes out these worries choke out our faith. Friends, the, the, the worst thing to happen to you is not that you have to rent your whole life. That's not the worst thing to happen to you. The worst thing to happen to you is not that you have to leave the lower north shore and, and move out to the western suburbs. The worst thing to happen to you is not that you can't go on a holiday to Europe next year. The worst thing that could happen to you is that you have a comfortable life with a comfortable job and you lose Jesus. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. You've got to pick God or money. You can't have them both. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean this person getting choked gives up their faith. I should say that. It doesn't necessarily mean. Well, actually, what Jesus says here is, the deceitfulness of wealth chokes the word, making it unfruitful. See, you might still be living for Jesus, and you might still be a child of God that Jesus loves, and, and, and your future is secure in heaven, and nothing can shake that because of Jesus' death for you and his grace. Nothing can shake that. But what the worries of the world might do is choke your faith and stop you from living the life Jesus wants you to live. Stop you from being undivided for Jesus. The worries of the world choke and, and, and compromise you and hold you back. I remember when I was a kid and it was swimming lessons and the task for the day at swimming lessons was you had to come and go swimming in clothes to kind of simulate what would happen if you fell in the water and can you survive. Anyway, all the other kids arrived at the lesson and they were wearing shorts and a t-shirt. My mum had made us rock up with this oversized hoodie, tracksuit pants and running shoes. <laughs> and she kind of throws us in the water and says, all right, go and swim. And I just remembered, like, drowning. And uh, I was so surprised. I mean, I, was, I could not move. I, couldn't, I was so weighed down. And many Christians, they're weighed down by the distractions of the world, weighed down by sin. Like what the writer of the Hebrews says, the sin that entangles and it holds them back. 
It chokes us out. It stops us from being fruitful. When what Jesus wants us to do is throw it all off, throw off the weight, throw it off all that entangles and swim. Run the race for Jesus. Now, the strangler fig doesn't grow overnight. The thorns don't come up overnight. It's slow. That's what's dangerous. You may not even notice it happening. And I've got to be honest, I look at my life, and I think in the last few years, I have been loving comfort too much. Gee, I'm loving living in the low and all shore. It is nice. I'm depending on comfort more than I need to, and this has been challenging me. The way in which our hearts can so be divided. And so we've got to pray, God, help us not to love the world or the things in the world. Help us to be single-minded in our devotion to you. So we've got the unbelieving heart, the shallow heart, the divided heart. Lastly, this is the one we want to be, the fruitful heart. The fruitful heart. Look at what Jesus says, verse 23. 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Someone, they hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit softens their heart, regenerates it, enables them to respond in faith and the word takes root. Unlike with the first soil, this person receives the word immediately before the the devil can snatch it. Unlike the second soil, this person accepts Jesus deeply. Unlike the third soil, this person accepts Jesus exclusively. And they bear fruit. They're living for Jesus. They're obeying Jesus. They're becoming more like Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, obedience, prayer, humility. Now, fruit is what shows that Christians are genuine. You can't be a Christian without fruit. We're not saved by our fruit, but our fruit is evidence that we are saved. And it's not one-off fruit. It's fruit for the rest of our lives. 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. I know many of you, your heart's desire, you're the good soil, your heart's desire is you want to bear fruit for Jesus. That's why we've got to keep hearing the word, reading it for ourselves, coming to church to hear it preached, going to our connect. We, we want to be fruitful. We've got to keep praying, God, soften my heart, help me to bear fruit for you today. Because when you do that, you're like a tree that bears fruit one season after another. Four soils. But one farmer. And one seed. Do you notice the seed never changes? There's no problem with the seed. It's not like the farmer, after he drops the seed on the path, says, oh, well, I'm not very good at this. I'll give up. I'll stop sowing. He keeps sowing. You see? There is nothing wrong with the message. It is the power of God to save. We've got to keep sowing. We've got to keep preaching. 
We've got to keep sharing the gospel. Some, many, most will reject it. But we do not know who is the good soil. We do not know who God is working in and who will respond with faith. Our task is to keep inviting to Alpha, keep sharing Jesus, keep shining as a light for him because we do not know who is the good soil and who is not. There's nothing wrong with the seed. We just got to keep sowing. And so for those of you who are serving in Alpha or uh, leading connect groups or serving in kids' ministry or whatever it might be, there will be moments of discouragement, of course. But don't give up because we have the powerful message of life, the good news that everyone needs to hear, the hope and life found in Jesus. So which heart is yours? Which soil is yours? Is it the unbelieving heart? Is it the shallow heart? Is it the divided heart? Perhaps tonight you need to pray, God, I got, I've got thorns in my life. I've got rocks in my heart. Would you take them out? Soften my heart. Help me to listen to you and bear fruit. Let us be the good soil that hears Jesus' words It takes root, and we bear fruit that lasts for all eternity. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible good news that we have heard. That you have given us your son, Jesus, who died rose again and ascended on high and that we have life in his name. We pray that across this room tonight that there would be soft hearts, that your word would be taking root and transforming people even tonight. We pray that people would bear fruit that lasts for eternity. For those of us with divided hearts, with, with, with distractions that are choking out your word, would you help us to be single-minded for you. Would you help us to repent and, and change? Lord, we want to be the fruitful soil. We want to please and honor you, our Lord and our King.